What is going on, everyone? Welcome into a new episode, a new edition of the Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast on the Land Grant Holy Land network of podcasts. I'm saying podcast too much in the episode just started. Anyways, my name is Colton Denning and I am your host. We got a very fun show for you guys today. Uh, Before we get into it, make sure to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, listen on Spotify, anywhere else you get your podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. So it's been a couple of weeks since we've had a guest here on the show for one of these previews for an Ohio State game, and honestly, that's kind of just what you get when you play Rutgers in Maryland in back-to-back weeks. But now Ohio State has a team that not only uh, has a pulse, but is a very good team, a top 10 team, and one that they've played a bunch of crazy games with uh, in the last couple of years. So I'm fired up to talk about Penn State. And to do that, I am joined by one of the contributors over at Black Shoe Diaries. His name is Marty Leap. Marty, how you doing, man? We we had some technical issues yesterday. Skype didn't want us to, to do the interview, but we got it. We, we made it happen. We did. You know, Skype didn't cooperate last night. Gmail didn't want to cooperate today. So despite the powers of technology trying to prevent it from happening, We've got together, and it's uh, time to get our podcast on. Yeah, let's get this podcast going. And and this game is going to be one that it, it has a lot of hype going into it. Game day is going to be there. The Fox crew is going to be there for the big noon kickoff for this one. Top 10 matchup. This, one, this game is essentially for the Big Ten East. Um, before we talk about just the matchup as a whole, looking at Penn State from an opponent's viewpoint this year has been kind of interesting because for me, it seems like it's been a real roller coaster. Penn State came into the year and we knew that they were going to be very young. They had to replace a lot of guys, had to replace maybe the best quarterback in modern history and Trace McSorley. And you have a new quarterback there and a lot of very young players. And here they are with, with one loss, but it feels like in a weird way, it's been like as much as a one loss season can be, it feels like it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. Is that a fair way to assess what Penn State has been this year? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, if you would kind of gauge the fan base, you would not guess this is a one-loss team. You especially would not guess that this is a 9-1 and team for a team that the Vegas over-under coming into the year was 8.5. Like, by all measures, they've exceeded expectations. No matter what happens on Saturday, they're going to win 10 games in the regular season because they have Rutgers next week. So, you know, like you said earlier, <laughs> nothing against Rutgers. But Extra bye week. Bye week. Yeah, so you're you're gonna be worst case scenario ten and two. You're most likely gonna finish the season in the top ten of the college football playoff rankings. You're looking at you know very possible could still go to the Rose Bowl if not probably an Orange or Cotton Bowl bid. And this was supposed to be a rebuilding year. Yet, like you said, very much a roller coaster season. I think a lot of it has come from them struggling with. You know, teams that you don't perceive as being great teams. You beat Pitt by seven. You beat Indiana by seven. But you look at it, and Pitt and Indiana have a combined record of 15 and six this year. They're not your typical Pitt, your typical Indiana. But at the same time, when you have a young team like this, you're going to have your ups and downs. They've had some lulls in games where they've jumped out the big leads, and then the offense kind of coasts for a while. So it's definitely been a more of a roller coaster than you would expect for a nine to one season. But Hey, had you told me in August this team was going to be coming into Columbus at 9-1, and one, ranked in the top 10 with the Big Ten East on the line, I would have taken that every single time. And the most general of senses, what what defines this Penn State team to you? Like if you had to point out a couple of things that you just say, this this is what this version of 
James Franklin's Penn State is post Trace McSorley, uh, post Saquon Barkley? Um, I think if I had to describe this team, one thing that defines this team, it would be that they're bought in. Um, coming into the year, you expected the defense to carry them. The defense was excellent the first eight games. The last two weeks, it's been shredded. The offense has been inconsistent, but they've made big plays. They've made the plays when they've needed to on offense and even on defense. Even that Minnesota game in the fourth quarter when they needed to get stops to give the offense an opportunity to finish to come back a win, they did their part. There's been a lot of reporting this year that the, the locker room is completely bought in like never before under Franklin, which you would expect because at this point everyone on that roster was recruited by him and his staff. And I think that buy-in, that camaraderie, the fight of this team, they've really embodied Franklin's personality. And I think that's really shown this year. And you've seen that with pulling out late win at Iowa, holding on against Michigan, almost coming all the way back to beat Minnesota, holding on to beat Pitt. I think a lot of buy-in, a lot of fight on this team. Something a little bit out of left field, but you talking about the, the locker room buy, buy-in got me thinking. Uh, amongst the, the fan base, how much of a, dis- a discussion are just like the little tidbits and rumors about James Franklin going to USC or you know maybe maybe looking somewhere else? Is that something that as we get closer to the end of the season that, that people are really starting to have some chatter about? Yeah, you hear it some. Um, I think... I know me personally, if USC does move on from Clay Helton, and I think their top target would be Urban Meyer, obviously, but after Urban, I think they'd make a run at James Franklin. I know I'll feel uneasy about that. Um, Penn State's a great school, obviously. James is from the area. He's called it his dream job. I don't doubt that it is. However, he's made it very clear he wants to be the first African-American head coach to win a national championship. It's probably easier to do at USC because you're in the lesser of two divisions in a subpar conference. You're a blue blood team in a great recruiting area. So I know it's things that some members of this fan base are worried about. But at the same time, I think everyone realizes it would almost take James feeling like he's not going to get what he feels like he needs from the Penn State administration for him to leave at this point. And I don't think that's going to be an issue I mean, a lot of the things I just described USC as, there's a lot of people who describe Penn State the same way. You know, traditional blue blood, the big fan base, all of that. The school's administration isn't stupid. They're going to give him what he wants. I would be surprised if he left, but I definitely think you're going to see his name floated out there for the USC job, assuming they do move on from Clay Hill. Getting into this matchup, I think I can speak for both of us that no matter what happens, we we both would prefer less of a heart attack game than the last yes, two years absolutely. have been. I know I'm <laughs> playing the smallest of violins given what Ohio State's done in, in both of those fourth quarters, but both of these games the last two years between these teams have been insanely close, two-point margin combined for both of them. Um, looking at it from a Penn State perspective, how do you feel going into this matchup? Because the the matchup, the games have been close, both in at Penn State and at Ohio State. This is a game for the division, and quite honestly, going back to what we said about Penn State's over under starting the season and the position they're in now, this really feels like a, a no lose situation for them because even in the even if they were to get blown out, hey, this this line is big anyway, and you can just chalk it up to, man, this might be the best Ohio State team ever. So to me, this really feels like the type of game that kind of is in James Franklin's wheelhouse because Penn State doesn't really have a lot to lose, and they have a ton to gain. Yeah, no, it's funny you say that about it being up in James' wheelhouse because um, I had that exact same thought earlier today at work, actually. 
Uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't feel very confident going into this game. I know my co-writers at Black Shoe Diaries don't feel very confident. A lot of Penn State fans aren't feeling confident. And I think that is more a testament to how good Ohio State is this year than anything else. But like you said, this is backs against the wall, us against the world. No one's given us a shot anyway. You know, even though we still have everything to play for, and this is when Franklin has been at his best. That really, I mean, you can look all going all the way back to the 2014 Penn State Ohio State game where Penn State with 50 something scholarship players takes the eventual national champions a double or triple overtime. You know, the 2016 game when Penn State beat them, the 2016 Big Ten title game against Wisconsin when they were down 28 to 7 at halftime. Like, these are just. These are areas where James Franklin has excelled, where he's a great motivator, gets his team fired up. And like I said, this year there's a lot of buy-in. And if there is one thing that I think would give Penn State an opportunity to pull the upset this weekend, this is a team I expect to be completely bought in. I expect them to go in extremely confident despite what the outside world is saying. And, you know, like you said to yourself, that is one area James Franklin is very good at as a head coach. Getting to on the field stuff, what are a couple of things that in your mind, Penn State, they they have to be able to do this successfully or they have to be able to stop Ohio State from doing a certain thing or else like, okay, we're we're, there's a reason for the non-confidence. We're we're definitely going to lose if we don't do this. Well, I think starting with offense, a lot of it's going to depend on health. Um, It is unknown right now if KJ Hamler is going to play. Obviously, you take one of the most dynamic players in the country off of the, any team that they're on, that changed the offense completely. Um, it was never confirmed, but he got a concussion against Indiana. At this point, it's up to the medical staff if he's cleared or not. Franklin has said he's hopeful, but we probably won't know until noon on Saturday if he's back to receive the opening kick or not. Noah Kane, who has been a fantastic freshman for them at the running back position, has missed the last two weeks. He's averaging nearly six yards a carry this year. He should be back, but again, it's not confirmed. I think the offense needs to be healthy. They need to take care of the ball. It could be important to try and find someone other than Hamler in the passing game as well. Um, outside of KJ and Pat Fryermuth, who for my money is probably the best tight end in the Big Ten and one of the best in the country, they've had a lot of issues with receivers stepping up and making plays. This is a weekend that's going to have to happen. And you have Justin Shorter, who was a number one receiver in the country last year, top 10 overall player. Daniel George, who was a highly rated four-star kid out of Maryland. They have combined like 15 catches this year. That's just not going to cut it because with Jeff Lakuda, with Sean Wade, whoever it might be, Ohio State can take Hamler away. So I think on offense, you're going to need Hamler to play, but you're going to need another receiver to step up. As for the defense, I mean, it's tough because, man, that Ohio State offense is something else. It might be one of the best they've ever had. It might be the best I've ever seen in Ohio State. In my opinion, I still think the way to beat them is you need to force Justin Fields to beat you with his arm. Um, Penn State is in the top two or three nationally in yards per carry allowed, so they might be able to neutralize Dobbins in that running attack. But I think you need to get to Fields and try and force force him to beat you with his arm. But that's something I don't feel great about either because Penn State's secondary has been absolutely shredded the last two weeks. And what was a very vaunted pass rush coming into the season and to start the season has been pretty non-existent lately. They got 10 sacks against Purdue the first weekend of October. And since then, I believe they only have like six or seven sacks in the six games since. So I think the pass rush needs to get going on defense. I think the secondary is going to have to play the game of their life 
because I think if you're going to win, you need to force Justin Fields to beat you. Yeah, I'm looking at that rush defense right now. It's first in the country in uh, yards per attempt allowed with 2.19, which is just like absolutely obscene because even in you know the game they lost against Minnesota, they had 40 carries for only 120 yards, which is wild. And I think the, the highest yards per carry average that they've given up this season is 3.4 to Michigan. So to me, it really seems like from that perspective, if Penn State's able to stop the run like you're saying and, and nobody's really forced Justin Fields to beat them, and if that happens, then okay, you know what, then kudos to, to Justin, they beat you. But if Penn State isn't able to stop the run, it does feel to me like that just kind of opens up the floodgates for everything. Yeah, I agree with that. I think if with Ohio State, you know, Dobbins is a heck of a back. You, know, you have another good back in Master Teague behind him who probably has the best name in college football as well. You know, you, you got to stop that duo. If you can slow them down, you said, I, Fields hasn't, not that he hasn't been tested, but he hasn't been forced to go and win a game. Early on in the Michigan State game, from what I remember, he had some moments where he was struggling until the running game got going. Same thing against Wisconsin. So I think if you can get this game into the fourth quarter, have it close. I definitely think that'll benefit Penn State because they're extremely battle tested. They've been in seemingly one dogfight after another this year outside of Maryland, Purdue, and Michigan State. So I think they're a team that is ready for that fourth quarter knockdown, drag it out fight if it's close. I'm not saying Ohio State isn't ready for it, but they haven't proven they're ready for it either. So I think that will be a key as well. But I said it all starts. In my opinion, with that pass rush, you got to get the fields. You got to make him uncomfortable. And you know, as anybody knows, a good pass rush can be your best secondary sometimes. So even if the secondary is still having issues, if the pass rush is getting home, that can really cover up some of the warts. And that might be a big reason why earlier in the year, when Penn State's pass rush was having all kinds of success, the secondary did look much better because they weren't being asked to do as much. Going from one passing game to the other, just in briefly watching Penn State and trying to keep up with them as much as I can season and, and watching their offense. Seems like Sean Clifford in his first year as a starter has had his ups and downs and he's he's been a wild card at times. And this is something I ask on a lot of these previews, especially for these type of bigger games. And I'm sorry to our listeners if I just always endlessly repeat this question, but like for Clifford, a guy who has been a little up and down at points, what, what's the number of pass attempts to you where you feel comfortable with? And when he goes over that, you're like, okay, this this is not good because then you're putting yourself in that position where, hey, if we have to throw this much, then it probably means we're behind and it probably means Chase Young is, is coming after us. Yeah, no, um, I think on a regular week, that 25 to 30 range, you're feeling pretty good. But again, if Hamler doesn't play, you want to try and bring that number down. You want to try and get the running game going, which they did a great job of last week after Hamler left. They still put up three more scores. They ran for uh, probably 150 or so yards after Hamler exited the game. But big difference between doing that against Indiana and doing that against Ohio State. So I would say this week, assuming Hamler's out there, I'll be very surprised if he doesn't play. You're looking at the 25 to 30 range. You probably want to get at least 10 or 11 of those targets to Hamler, get the ball in his hands, let him make plays. I mean, Sean has been inconsistent this year, but it's your typical first-year starter, especially for a guy who's only a sophomore. He has moments of brilliance. He has moments of just, what are you doing? And a lot of it's in the same game. I mean, as a Penn State fan, I feel great about Clifford moving forward for the next two years. But this will be his first big test. I mean, he went to Iowa, which is never easy under the lights. 
and played an okay game. Started very poorly and finished strong. Same thing against Minnesota was just awful to start the game and finish strong. But this will be by far the biggest test he's faced. I think if you can keep him at 25 to 30 passes, hit on you know, 16, 17, 18 of them, get some chunk plays in there, you'll feel good about where the offense is at on Saturday. We're chatting with Marty Leap from Black Shoe Diaries here on the Hangout in the Holy Land about Ohio State's game with Penn State on Saturday. We're going to talk predictions here in a second, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break, hear from some sponsors, and we will be back in a second right here on the Hangout in the Holy Land. Welcome back into the Hangout in the Holy Land. We are chatting all things Ohio State, Penn State with Marty Leap over at BlackShoeDiaries.com, our sister site on SB Nation. Make sure to check them out. Okay, let, let's get into predictions. And this isn't quite just like a what's your prediction, but how, how big would Penn State's lead have to be for Penn State fans to feel safe in the fourth quarter? <laughs> um, After the last two years, probably at least three touchdowns, maybe four. <laughs> Even then, we're all going to be sitting here quenching hard coming down the stretch. Um, yeah, it's – I mean, two years ago in Columbus was one thing because I remember early in the fourth quarter, Ohio State blocked that punt, and you could see it coming. At that point, you knew – like, I, I felt helpless watching that game because I knew what was going to happen. Now, last year was different. I, I mean, Penn State scored, I think, with like six minutes to go to go up 12 – and I remember texting a neighbor of mine who her boyfriend's in Ohio State alum. I said, we got this. She goes, no, we don't. You know better than that. Sure enough, I should have known better than that. So I, I think if they get a good three, four touchdown lead in the fourth quarter, everyone will feel well, at least as well as they can with a fourth quarter lead against Ohio State. But anything else, I think people will be in full-fledged panic mode until the end. And then last question for you here. If, if you had a prediction, what do, what do you think happens on Saturday? Um, I think Ohio State will win. Um, unfortunately, I think it'll be pretty one-sided. We... I put in my staff prediction for Black Shoe Diaries last night, actually. The score I picked was, I think, 56 to 28, 56 to 24, something like that. I just, I can't see this defense as good as they can be. The secondary is just, you get shredded by Tanner Morgan, you get shredded by Peyton Ramsey, and now you go up against Justin Fields and this group of receivers. I just can't see it happening. I think that. It will be close to start. I think it'll be a very close game at halftime, but I think Ohio State will wear them down, kind of put up three or four scores in a row in the second half, probably similar to the Wisconsin game, and pull away. And I think one reason I could see it getting super lopsided is Ryan Day's no dummy. He's not going to want to play Clemson or LSU in the first round of the playoff. He's going to do everything he can to get that one seed, and I think he knows putting a thumping on a top 15 team in three weeks in a row here to finish the season would probably get him that one seed. So I don't I don't think he'll be in any hurry to take the pedal off the floor, and I wouldn't expect anything less from any other coach in the country in that situation. Well, no matter what, it's a huge showcase game. I, I think we hit on something interesting about it being you know, kind of in Franklin's wheelhouse and there really not being anything for, for Penn State to lose in this game because even if they do lose, uh, a potential Rose Bowl bid is, is still on the line because I, I wouldn't imagine that you know Wisconsin or, or anyone from the West, I mean, we'll see what Minnesota, how they finish the season, but everything's still up in the air and at play for Penn State. And uh, th this is the type of game where no matter what happens, it, it should be a lot of fun to watch. This, this matchup has been very exciting over the past couple of seasons. And if Marty and I proved anything right here on this podcast is that uh, don't, don't let anyone tell you that Ohio State and Penn State 
State fans can't coexist for at least like 20 minutes. We <laughs> we made it happen. We made it very civil. So, Marty, I, I really appreciate you joining the show. Uh, if you guys want to keep up with anything happening, uh, not only when it comes to Penn State for this game, but beyond that and all year round with what they got going on, make sure to visit BlackShoeDiaries.com. Also follow them on Twitter at BSD Tweet. And Marty, where can they find all of your work? Uh, my Twitter is at msj41817. Usually anything I write for BSD gets posted on there. Usually retweet a lot of our stuff. Or if you just want to watch a Penn State fan do their usual Saturday routine of roller coaster ups and downs, have 27 heart attacks in a three-hour <laughs> stretch, it's always a fun time as well. Yeah, follow Marty there. And hey, let's let's keep it civil this week, folks. Let's all let's all remember that uh, even though Ohio State and Penn State we do hate each other, we can uh, bond together. That the fact that we both hate Michigan. So That's right. at least at least you guys <laughs> can make it two and zero against Michigan between the teams this year. I hope so, my friend. And uh, and I, I look forward to uh, to watching this game and seeing everything that goes down. But that's going to do it for this week's show. We want to thank you guys for listening. Thanks to Marty for joining the show. So make sure if you're a first-time listener or you, you like to listen but don't subscribe, please hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Follow along on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. We will be back on late Saturday with our recap show. Make sure to send all of your comments, reactions, and questions there. That is going to be a good time. No matter what happens, we'll have a lot to talk about after uh, after this Ohio State-Penn State game. So stay tuned to the feed. We'll have a new show for you then. But until then, want to wish you guys the best for the rest of your week. And we will talk to you right here on Saturday. My name is Colton Denning. This is the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks.